Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And thank you for tuning in to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Today, we're going to dive into a classic message that we believe will strengthen and equip you. Let's join Bishop Greer as we continue the teaching from our previous broadcast. Verse 4 says something. It says, But the Lord. This is one of my favorite statements in all of Scripture. The New Testament says it this way, but God. Watch this, Romans 5 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear. So yet a temptation is real, but my God is real. Ephesians 2 and verse 3, a little long, but listen. Among whom also we all, does it say what? All. So stop acting like you were born of a virgin. All of us have done some dirt. All of us. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by what? Nature. I could change my behavior, but I could never change my nature. Meaning that if we were by nature children of wrath, we were absolutely doomed with no hope in this world. And then it says, just as others. Watch this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he raised us together uh, with Christ. Here's the deal. All those things were true until God stuck his big butt into our situation. But God. You know, society may say you'll never mount anything. But God says, you know what? You are more than a what? Conqueror. Your mom and your, your mama man said, "You know what? You just like your daddy." How many? Uh, okay. But God says, "Now call me father." Yeah. Your ex-husband, your ex-wife may have left you, but God says, "I'll never leave you nor forsake you." But God. The message of the gospel 
can be summarized in those two words, but God. I was a mess going somewhere to happen, but God. Couldn't pay my bills, but God. Confused in my mind, but God. Sick in my body, but God. My marriage broke down, but God. Had no future, no hope, but God. That's the gospel. Come on, give it up to him just a little bit. Give it up to him just a little bit. But God, but God, but God. Gonna lose my mind, but God. Gonna kill somebody, but God. Didn't know what to do, but God. But God, but God, but God. But God, hallelujah, but God. My kid was crazy, but God. My wife, no, just joking, honey. <laughs> but God, but God, Jonah 1 and 4, but God, the Lord, sent out a great wind on the sea. You know, the storm in your life might be God trying to tell you something. And there was a mighty, not a light, but a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. You might wonder, what happened in that relationship? What happened on my last job? But sometimes God has to let the things we hide in break up in order for us to discover who it is we really need to trust. Sometimes good things have to fall apart for better things to come together in our lives. Then the mariners, these were seamen. These were not men easily frightened. They, they, they were familiar with storms, but this was a special storm. They were afraid. And every man, every single one of them, I mean, this is how serious it was. Cried out to his God. There are no atheists in foxholes. And when it gets bad enough, even the skeptics start talking about God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship in the sea to lighten the loads. Or the load. So, you see, the sailors were doing everything they could to, to survive here. But Jonah had gone down. He just keeps going down. And when you walk away from God's presence, that's all that's going to happen. He kept walking down into the lowest part of the ship. And when you run from God, you'll actually surprise yourself with how low you could go. You know, I'm under no illusion that under this suit is just flesh and blood. And if I don't stay connected to my source, if I don't stay connected to my strength, if I don't remember where my help comes from, I can end up just like everybody else doing all the nonsense. You hear what I'm saying? If I dare forget. And some of the reasons that some of us are doing something, you forgot. You forgot. 
You say, well, I, I could do it myself. I could do it on my own. Pride comes before a fall. According to scripture, you're on your way like Jonah, prophet by office, but he was still going down. And he had laid down, got comfortable with down. And he was fast asleep. Yes, how could Jonah sleep in the middle of such an incredible storm? Maybe because the storm outside of him paled in comparison to the storm that was raging on the inside of him. No one is more miserable than the person who knows better. So the captain... It's an unbeliever. It's a heathen. It's a guy who had many gods. Rebuked the prophet. He came to him. He said, what do you mean, sleeper? How can you sleep when those around you are in such danger? I feel like this is also a message to the church. I mean, the storm is raging. Families are being ripped apart. Kids are killing them. All types of things are going on. But we have our five-point messages. We have our order of service. You have a little bit of your offering. Everyone, you know, shakes hands and leaves, but goes back to sleep. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But this storm was created to wake Jonah up. Sometimes I feel like the storm in culture is designed to poke that sleeping bear called the church. And God is saying as loud as it is out there, how is it you're so messed up on the inside that you can't hear? How could you sleep through such circumstances? So the captain said, why is the church sleeping? Why is it just business as usual? Where are the prayer meetings? Where are the mothers calling out to God? Why aren't the daddies going into the crack houses? Why aren't we taking back our streets? Why are we so afraid to share this gospel? Why does the church... Sleep. The church is saying, God, why is this storm so bad? God says, why do you sleep? And then they said, come, let us cast lots that we may know for who this trouble has come upon us. This is important. God can even make a false system work to reach his own children. You remember in the book of Samuel where Saul went to the witch of Endor, and then Samuel himself showed up in the midst of witchcraft. God knows how to find you where you are. No matter the system you're plugged into, he still knows how to speak. You're not going to lock him out. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Busted. Bad, bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do? 
they spared me from singing that song. Thank you very much. But that's the question. What you going to do when they come for you? Because you sleep. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is the trouble upon us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Now, when you get sailors exceedingly afraid, something's going on. And they looked at Jonah with anger in their eyes. Why have you the Bible doesn't say this, but how many of y'all know how sailors talk? Yeah. You could bet some language was flying around right about, right about there. The Jonah. That's right. For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told him. This is so important, man. We, we are these individualists, this is our culture and everything, but your decisions not only affect you, but everyone else in your life. We are free to choose, but we are not free from the consequences of our choices. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea got even worse as the conversation went on. It was tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will be calm for you. For I know this great tempest, watch this, is because of me. So finally, instead of trying to play it off, instead of pointing the finger, he finally began to accept personal responsibility for here, where he was. And we'll learn so much more from our mistakes if we weren't so busy trying to deny them or defend them, but just accept it when we own it. Nevertheless, meaning we see a contrast here. The prophet felt he was above the Gentiles. He didn't want to go to, to these Gentiles because they were beneath him. But it's amazing that the Gentiles in the ship were showing more compassion than the prophet. He didn't care if the Ninevites died. But the rebuke here is that these sailors, these are not the best characters you ever run into, were more compassionate about him dying than he was anyone else. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more and more tempestuous against them. And here's the point. God knew what he was after. And he would not quit until he got what he came for. Here's the challenge. God will be as tough as we need him to be. If we respond to a gentle voice, it'll be a gentle voice. But how many of you are parents in this room? Okay. You tried gentle, you tried nice. And you said it, then you said it in a rhyme. And and you raised your voice, you lowered your voice, you whispered your voice. You did it all. 
Then one day, he said, now I'm going to speak to you in a language that you understand. I'll say no more lest I get in trouble up here. But here's the point. God knows how to speak in the language you understand. And you say, God, why are you being so hard? God say, why are you being so hard-headed? If you let me be nice, I'll be nice. If you respond to nice, I'll do nice. You remember when you were little and the parents said to you, you said, you know, this hurt me more than it hurt you? You ain't believe it. But here's the truth. It hurts God to have to speak to us this way. When, when, he, when, when he has to use circumstances like this to reach us, he wanted to speak in a gentle voice. But we made him shout. And this was the case of the prophet. Am I preaching too hard? I see folks leaving, but I'm not going to quit it. I'm not going to quit it. Y'all stir me up when y'all do that. Verse 15, we're almost there. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. So first he went down from God's presence to Joppa. Next he went down into the lowest part of the ship. Lastly, he gets thrown down into the sea. God doesn't want any of us to hit bottom. It's just that he knows some of us are so stubborn. It's the only way we'll look up. And in his compassion, he lets these storms rage. But here's the deal. When we, listen, every storm is is not God. Don't embrace every storm as God because Jesus got up and rebuked the storm. If it was God, he he, he would have been rebuking God to rebuke that particular storm. But some storms in your life come because God might be trying to tell you something. And that storm will not cease until you surrender what needs to be surrendered in that season. Watch this. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea immediately ceased from raging. And again, the fact that it immediately stopped once he surrendered made it clear that that storm came on his account. Likewise, that storm in your life is going to keep raging until you surrender. Don't point the finger. Don't blame the weather. Don't blame the boat. Don't blame the captain. That storm may be there just because of you. And it wasn't until Jonah owned it that the storm broke and it ceased. Let's let's finish here. They threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from what? Raging. The Bible says this, and then we're going to finish. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Now in the 90s, there was all these books on spiritual warfare. It got really weird. And you had to know the special name of the demon over a certain principality. Got really weird. But in my Bible, it says the key to breaking the power of the devil is submission. Not reading a long book. Not listening to a long sermon. 
The key to your effectiveness against the adversary in your life is first a heart issue. He said, submit to God, then deal with the devil. Here's the deal. If you're trying to speak to the devil and take authority to the devil, acting like the devil, submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee. Here's the thing. I feel like talking about the same thing I did in the first service, and we're a little bit over. Stay with me for just a couple moments. How many in this room are married? All right. Here's the deal. Many of us say, why, why, why are our marriages going sideways? Well, you're married because you have too much money in it. You're married maybe because, you know, if I leave her, she might take half or he might take half. Or, or you stay married until your kids graduate high school. But the reason you're there is obedience. But that's the problem. You have an Old Testament orientation. Stay with me. I'll, I'll be done. Just a second. You see, in the Old Testament, God said, if you obey me, X, Y, and Z will happen. But when Jesus came, he lifted the bar. In the old covenant, obedience was important. In the new covenant, it's submission. You remember the story of the little boy whose parents told him to sit down? And he said, well, I'm going to sit down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. He obeyed but did not submit. Many of us are confused because we're obeying God. But our hearts are far. We've not submitted to his nature and character on the inside. You say, woman, I'm tolerating you. Toleration is worse than hate. I know we tolerance. You tolerate enemies. I'm putting up with you. No, no, no. That's not God's heart. He's not just putting up with He loves us. I'm about to help you in your marriage. Submit to God. You know what, Dad? Father, you know what? What she did don't even matter anymore. It's not about what she did, Lord. This is now about, about me. Lord, I'm with her, but I'm not really with her. She talked to me, but I'm not really listening. We, 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 we do things together, but I'm waiting till it's over. Because in my heart, I've never really submitted. In my heart, I never, I never really tried to be conformed to your image. I never, you know, I, I've not really tried to say, you know what? They may have done me wrong, that, that, but, but you know what? Lord, help, put me in their shoes. Father, help me see them from your vantage point. Lord, help me love them the way you love them. Lord, I'm not just going to obey. Lord, I submit my heart. I, I'll forgive them. I'll, I'll let it go. I'll be kind. And you see, inform you might be there, but you're mean. Inform you might be present, but you're far away. And God is saying, if you want to deal with the devil in that marriage, it begins with submission. Jesus did not want her to go to the cross. But he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And he did it from his heart. And if he didn't, he would not have said, God, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He would have thrown out some other expectations. You hear what I'm saying? Not a forgive. It would it'd be a different F word. You hear what I'm saying? I'm so sorry I said that. But can we just get real for a moment? Jesus went to the cross from his heart. And she said, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross. Follow. You need to love that man, love that woman from your heart. 
You need to love that sideways child from your heart. And the power comes when you submit your heart. That's the power. Because you may say the prayer perfectly. Theologians may clap. But if it's not from your heart, tinkling cymbal, brass. When Jonah surrendered, he didn't know what was going to happen to him in the sea. But he owned it. He said, it's me. It's me. And in your marriage, you got to say, me, it's me. In that relationship with that child, it's me. Lord, I'm the one that has to grow. I'm the one that's going to get better. With this person on your job, Lord, it's me. Show me how to be the way I need to be, Lord, to to reach that person, God. Not point a finger, it's me, God, it's me, it's me. And when you throw yourself into the sea and you take ownership, Watch what happened. Then the men that were in that ship feared the Lord exceedingly. It didn't say they just feared God. They feared Yahweh, Jehovah, and offered a sacrifice to God, the Lord, and took vows. I felt as I prepared for this message that the Lord was saying that the heart behind a lot of what I'm saying this morning is when we finally get it right, God will impact those around us. But the problem and the issue is not first with them. The first issue is with you and me. MLK very famously said, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at gracechurchva.tv. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.